Let's go. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. Hey, hey, Google. Play James Brown living in America. Something a little different. Got it. Living in America. Do you want the song or the album? The song. She's too smart for her own good. Okay. Living in America by James Brown. Mm -hmm. Playing on Spotify. I know y'all remember this. Woo! James Brown. The GOAT. The legend. The incomparable. The unmatched. The American dream, they might say. But you know, if you're living in America, one thing you gotta do is understand the culture. You gotta understand the culture of America if you're gonna live here. And in this song, James Brown was teaching you. All right, that's enough, James. Hello, America. Hello, world. Hello, you. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Pod is Good podcast, AKA the Notorious PIG. I am your new best friend. Cashmere, California. This is episode 23. Episode 23 of the podcast. Welcome. Pod is good. And all the time. If you know, you know. If you don't, continue to listen. You're going to learn. We got a great show for y'all today. Let's get into it. My guest today is a longtime friend. I've known this gentleman, this gentleman for a very, very long time. Uh, knew him from church. I knew him, in, you know, in just in the city. He was a, a, a great mentor, a great friend, um, a, a hilarious person. I mean, I feel like anytime I think of a, a memory with him, I immediately go to something funny some funny moment that happened and hopefully uh you'll get a chance to peek into that today as um as we have a a great conversation we got a great conversation scheduled for y'all and i know it's going to be entertaining i know you're going to like it so as we always do you know this is supposed to either entertain you or empower you and i have no doubt that today's episode will do both once again ladies and gentlemen without further ado my guest here at the pod is good podcast none other Mr. Pastor Reginald Brown. Thank How you, you so doing, much. sir? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Brett Jane. Yo, so good to see you. So good to have you. Thank you for taking the time out. You know what I'm saying? Come over here and talk with us little folks. You know what I'm saying? I wish, man. You, you sitting <laughs> at the top of the hill. You the pinnacle of, of, of things. Look at your podcasting and all. You at the pinnacle. I hey, tell God you. is good. Pod is good, right? <laughs> so, so good to see you doing well man i promise you thank you sir thank you sir so for those Take that don't uh that don't know you uh reginald brown is in northern california in the bay area fairfield to be are you still in fairfield or are you in yes. vacaville now? Yeah. i'm in, in fairfield, fairfield. i'm in fairfield vacaville live in vacaville past in fairfield you know, it's right next door, so it's all the same. Right next door. If you if you in the area, you know pretty much right, Fairfield, right. Sassoon, Vacaville. You just call that all pretty much one right, right. <laughs> one little city. You, you lived in Fairfield your whole life. 
No, man. Honestly, uh, I got Fairfield uh, at the military through the military. Mm. I'm originally from Washington D.C. D.C. boy. Well, it used to be the best. Used to be the best city in the world. <clears throat> then what happened? Hey, man. You know, politicians <laughs> came and took crazy folks came and took it over, man. Took it over. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, much different have, nowadays. Have you been back anytime recently? I go back, man, at least two or three times a year, man. All my family's still back there, man. All my, uh, oh, nice. my mom, my dad, my brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles, everybody else back there. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, I go back all the time, literally. Matter of fact, I was back there twice this year already, two or three times this year. Oh wow. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's start there then. You know, that's that's where your story starts. I want to know about <laughs> I want to know about the young pastor Reginald Brown. I want to know about that. The, the small kid, you still young. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying the the little kid. I, I wish, man. I, I wish the body would would say the same, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wish, man. Look, as, lo- as long as the mind do, right? As long as the look, mind you do. That, you, you see all that gray around there now, man. It wasn't like that I, two years ago, man. Look at all that. I, I see it. That's just a little a little exterior decorating. That's all that is. Hey, there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's all that is. All so, time. Look, I don't mind going gray, Lord. Just I'm, I'm fighting going bald. That's all I'm fighting. <laughs> just let me keep it as long as I can. Let me keep it as long, long as you can. As long as you, just let me hold on to that one, Lord. Let me hold on to I'm, that. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like the Stephen A. Pass. I'm just gonna keep drawing my getting my line cut way back. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so so DC. Um, when did you leave DC? Around what age? Man, I left DC at 18. Um, okay. I graduated high school, May the 25th or something like that. Uh, and I left to go in the military July 31st. So, wow. Um, literally a month and a half after graduation, I was gone. You was out of there. Man, and now, gone. and now, and what was that something you were just ready to do? Had you just been ready to go things? What, what made you want to get out so fast? Was it just urgent? get out the house. Yeah, man, what happened was, man, to be honest, when I was eight years old, I have a brother um, that I favor. Uh, my father have a lot of kids, first off. And so I have a, one of his, uh, my one of my brothers, uh, my favor, he's 10 years older than I. And so when I was eight, he went in the military. Wow. And, you know, because I was close to him, I'm always close to him. Uh, when he came home in the military and I saw him in that blue uniform, I never will forget. I was sitting in my grandmother's house. He walked through that door with that uniform on, man. And from that moment, I knew I was going in the military. Uh, wow. From that from that moment, um, life took its turns, you know, and all I mean, all that kind of stuff. Of Started cutting up in school. Um, got to a point, man, where you know, school though it was easy, became a struggle because I wasn't mm-hmm. going and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, thank God that God, put, you know, put some solid people around me. Um, to help navigate me through that time, man. And so, um, yeah. when I graduated, I left. I talked to my aunt, I have an aunt that I talked to about most things. And, uh, you know, she sat me down, you know, had me draw my line on a sheet of paper, write hmm. pros and cons on the paper, man. You know, and I still do that to this day with major decisions, um, you know, pros and cons. And, uh, you know, found it was all pro for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad I went, man. I'm glad I went. Um, Matter of fact, I never forget. Um, my recruiter wanted me to do what's called delayed enlistment, hmm. which means you're in the military, uh, but you delay going to basic training. So I went in at 89. My enlistment wasn't supposed to start until 90. 
Uh, and the crazy thing about that is, is that uh, my brother called my uh, um, recruiter and said, follow him, you know, if you follow him, you know, and you think he can hold off for a year, cool. He followed me, you know what I mean? He said, nah, we got to get you in quick. And so yeah. it went from 90 to 89. That's how I got in early. And so what What was the reason that they were saying they got to get in early? Yeah, man, because uh, people that I was hanging out with, you know what I mean? Not everybody was uh, cool, you know what I'm saying? A uh, crowd that I, I would move with every now. And it's not that I was with them a lot, but there yeah. are times, you know, you move with that crowd. Because by that time, I had, you know, come from out from amongst a lot of the stuff I used to do. I wasn't cutting school as much. I became a little more serious in school. But every now and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would go around the wrong crowd and that kind of stuff. Right, um, right. I just thank God that he always kept me so I didn't go too far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Literally. I mean, you know, there were times I was going to get like way deep into it. Uh, but even the people that was in it wouldn't allow me to get too far in it. You know what I mean? Right. You need that. So, you need right. That. Right. That was right. Absolutely. That, something that right. saw something in you that was like, hey, this... I see what you're doing, but you did. This ain't for you. you right, do better than this. Yeah. I have a brother, man. I keep telling people to this day, man. I call it joke of the wind beneath my wings, man. Mm. Um, he was way, you know, he was heavy into the, the lifestyle. Yeah, um, but never allowed me to get you know too far into it. You know what I mean? Not, not yeah. into it at all. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I'm grateful, to, I'm grateful to God for him, um, because even though he was in it, because I grew up in it, um, my father was in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing, man. Um, even my dad wouldn't let me, you know, nah, Reginald, you can't go with me now. You chill out. Those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but, yeah, but, but know, I, I'm, I'm grateful. I, I tell parents to this day, uh, stop vilifying the military to your children uh, mm. because it's a viable option to those who don't want to go to college. Okay. <clears throat> I like how you talk about your, um, basically your angels you know what i mean god god sends us angels and you know people think that you know your angels gotta look one way you know when you see them they're gonna be someone that's doing well or that says the right thing or understand you know whatever their your view is of, of a earthly angel but your angel might have been a gang member that was like or just somebody in the streets that was like hey hey I, i've been in this i see you you not doing this and that's that, that still can be the voice of God talking to you through somebody. So to be honest, man, that, that was my brother for me. No joke. Um, hmm. Like literally, man, he was one who, who would pull up on me. Hey, right now nah, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't going there. You ain't, you ain't doing this. You know what I mean? Go ahead and leave. Uh, this is about to go down, go ahead and leave, get out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I wanted to get involved, you know, for money's sake, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, you, you ain't, you ain't coming out here like that. You know what I mean? Until I got to a point where I could handle the no on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's huge. Um, so so once I got to the point where I could say no for myself, I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't need y'all. I can, I can stand by myself, be by myself. But I had to grow to that point. I had to learn that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So you had, you know, like you said, you did that here and there, not like you were with them all the time. So yeah. during your, you know, your teenage years, was there were there any other hobbies or sports or things that you were into outside of that? Like when you weren't with them, what to, was you doing? To be honest, man, this is going to sound crazy, right? I know it's going to sound crazy. Go with people. it. We love crazy. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, man, I was either, you know, uh, in involved around church stuff. I got, I got what I call saved. I accepted Christ in my heart when I was 15. Um, 
You know what I mean? Wow. Don't mean does not mean that I've done everything right. Let me say it off the top. I just told y'all I struggle with a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, he just kept right. me away from the major things. He yeah, kept me yeah, away yeah. from the major things. Um, <clears throat> but in uh, sports, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And so those kind of things, man, kept me kept me grounded. Um, you know, stayed around people, man. That was that was that was older, like my grandparents, a great grandparent um, who was living at the time. Um, huh. They they kept me uh, with a, you know in a grounded place, a secure place. Um, but those are things I did, man. I, I love playing sports. Um, basketball was my favorite. Football came too easy. Hmm. Um, so, you know, basketball was a struggle to learn. So, okay, let's, let's dissect both of those. So we got church, we got sports. <laughs> All right. So, so you got saved pretty early in your life, right? right? Had some great people around you that kept you where you, where you should be. Um, did you, at that time, did you feel like you knew you were going to be a pastor one day? Was it just a moment that happened? Like, what did it mean to you to be saved at such a young age? Uh, when I gave my life to Christ, man, um, I tell you, I knew early on initially that I was going to pastor. Hmm. Um, when I got called, I got called early. I didn't accept the calling when I got my, received my call. Not you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So you can imagine at 15... I'm, I'm called, I'm, I'm saved. I get a call into the ministry. I feel God's tugging on my heart, but I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was very, um, I went to church a lot, that kind of stuff. Um, my pastor was always there, always there for us, but I didn't feel like I could talk at the time because I didn't know what to say, how to say it, and those kind of things. Uh, um, and then, uh, you know, I accepted at 18 when I'm in the military. You know what I mean? And by the time I'm accepting in the military, I'm like, I'm accepting it because, to be honest, because uh, I know can't nobody do anything about it now. My pastor's in D.C. Uh, this time I'm 19. Rather, I'm in Korea. You know what I mean? So yeah. ain't nothing he can do about it. Uh, unbeknownst to me, um, I was going to a gospel service at the uh, on base at the time. Uh, and mm -hmm. The pastor's name was Alvin Shepard. I'll never forget him, man. He now is in Arizona. Um, but he... Um, I was working one day and he walked over to me, not having any idea. I, I was struggling with my call and just touched me on my shoulder and said, Brother Brown, we walk by faith, not by sight. There it is. You know what I mean? And I ain't share, I ain't share it with nobody. I haven't, I didn't there share it, it at is. that time with nobody. Um, and so, you know, mm. once he said that, oh yeah, you know, it was struck again. Like a guy's like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Know, you. I'm, I'm I'm calling you again. I'm I'm reinforcing you know what i mean I've, I've called you i'm not gonna tell you that many more times <laughs> right. and then uh i lie to you not man probably about a week or so after that he came to the job again and said brother brown you'll be preaching on the first sunday oh like huh you know so he scheduled a time wow. man, to preach on the first sunday that after uh i believe it was the first sunday in the afternoon so uh, that was it man um so i knew early on that i was going to uh pass and and what, at and what that age were you 19. at that time? 19. Wow. 19. 19. 19 and I got called. Wow. When I accepted my call to preach, I'm, I'm called to preach and passed at 15. Yeah. I don't accept it to 19. And the crazy thing is, you see how God <clears throat> orchestrates things, right? Uh -huh. uh, early on, man, we uh, grew up in church. Uh, I grew up in a household where I don't care what you did on Friday and Saturday, Sunday morning, you were going to be in church. 
Um, you can go at DC. They have Go Go's. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, I know they have Go Go's. Go -Go right. And so, uh, I don't care if you went to a Go Go or not Saturday night, Sunday morning, you went church. And so we figured out. All, yeah, and, and Bible <laughs> and uh, Sunday school, uh, all those kind of things. Man, I call names to this day, man. That drilled us with Bible study drills. Oh. And it was always three of us: myself, uh, another brother that ended up being pastor, Pastor Corey Thompson. And a brother named Malcolm Doster. We used to always in the uh Sunday school Bible verse contest, we were gonna come in one, two, or three. We knew, we knew automatically we were gonna be battling one, one another in, in those competitions, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and unbeknownst That's to cool. me, at That's least, cool. unbeknownst to me, um, that you know, that um God would end up using that, yeah, um, you know, in the call. Yeah. And do you, uh, I'm, I'm sure you do, but I got to ask, do you remember anything about that first sermon at 19? The, the I really title? Don't. I really don't, man. That's the crazy part. I don't. Wow. Um, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't know if it was you. because I was so nervous. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, Had to be. What? But I don't mm. know. I don't remember. I remember the experience of accepting the call there and i remember the experience man of pastoring there because that's what a lot of people don't know right most people don't know that i pastored before i was called before i was officially a pastor oh yeah I yeah know, you know what i mean yeah i literally pastored in in korea first so you can imagine i i've, I've only been preaching about two months so how it happened, true story. I'm, I'm called to preach. Uh, yeah. I preached my first sermon. Um, and at that time, we discovered the base was going to be on a base closure list. So the base was closing. Huh. Um, the pastor of the time was a uh, enlisted person. Military, in order to be over a church, supposedly, you have to be a chaplain, which is a uh, commissioned officer. Okay. Uh, but the chaplain could allow enlisted people who have had their credentials to pastor a, a, additional services and mm -hmm. so he allowed uh the pastor of the gospel service uh alvin shepherd to pastor when so when i'm preaching alvin shepherd gets the call to leave so he gets orders to leave to go to another base but he yeah. didn't want to leave the people in the gospel service without a pastor yeah. so he went to the uh chaplain and asked the chaplain if i could uh, uh cover the gospel service so the chaplain gave me permission. Wow. As a, so I'm, I've only, look, I'm only had one stripe at the time. One stripe at the time. One stripe. And I been preaching for two months. Two months. And and you're not a chaplain. No, and I'm not a chaplain. <laughs> and so, and I and I got That's crazy. And, and here's, That's here's, crazy. here's another thing. I mean, these are things people have no idea when they look at me. And yeah. they see, most people either know me from D.C. or California. Mm. You know what I mean? So they, yeah, they know, yeah. me at, um, you know, in, in those two veins. Right. Different jobs. Um, I even licensed somebody without an idea. I, I, hear what I'm telling you. <laughs> to cover and put them in charge to cover the service when I left. <laughs> you just... You just took it on. You're like, hey, really hey, hey I, I understand the formalities. I get it. <laughs> right. But so. I'm going to be here anyway. So I might as well just go in and conduct it, conduct myself as as I should. 
Because what I didn't want to do, man, I didn't want the service to fold or fold after right. I left like the pastor didn't want it to fold after he left. Right. Makes sense. You know I mean? It was so, bigger than you. and Right. It was bigger yeah. than you. So so that, that was it, man. That was it. But that was a I found out he was leaving, man. It was a struggle. Oh, my God. I bet. I'm talking about spiritual struggle for me, like literally. Um, I wow. one 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 thing with God really had to confirm. Mm-hmm. At the time I was uh in, in Korea, we had you know the room was long, so it was almost like a a, a rectangle. Huh. So we would set it up like we would put our wall lockers, our beds on one side, wall locker to split it, and our sitting area on the other side. So I yeah. wake up about one o'clock in the morning, man. I see this vision, right? This, this vision is popping off, things happening in the vision. So next morning I wake up and I go down to the chapel and I'm talking to some people by the piano, right? Telling them what happened, what happened in the vision and all that kind of stuff. And the pastor walks in the church. He walks in, it's over to us and said, Brother Brown, you were up about one o'clock, two o'clock this morning, huh? And all of us stopped and looked at him like, yeah. I said, so I asked him like, yeah. He said, and this is what you saw in your vision. And so what? the people are listening. He's telling me what I saw, right? I was like, yeah, how do you know? He said, because you were looking, and I, what I saw was the sanctuary where we were sitting, right? Uh, from the front of the church to the back door. Yeah. He said, what you couldn't see was I was standing behind you. And I was praying for you so you could make the right decision. No, no lie, no lie. And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Okay. And, and there, there's proof to this day, man. A uh, couple of other fellas that was back yeah. there, man, are still, we talked about, because I was over there talking to a group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. straight group of people, and they all of them heard it. You know what I mean? So um, that that's what allowed me to know, man, that, you know, this thing. Oh, that's, that's huge. That's huge. I'm saying it's huge, especially because oftentimes – if when you're t- and I'm a kind of side segue, but we getting back to sports in high school. Don't don't think we not. Um, uh, oftentimes, when a believer is talking to a non-believer about their personal evidence that Christ is real, for a non-believer, it sounds. You know what I'm saying? It just sounds wishy-washy and mystifying mm-hmm. and. You know, you just been indoctrinated. So now in any little thing, you find a way to make it all baptistical. And it's 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 rare. I'm gonna use that baptistical. <laughs> <laughs> it's rare that, you know, there's there's stories and and a group of people saw it right. of, of a story where God showed himself, where God stood there and, and basically um gave you a message. And, and, and that's what it was. That's what that, I found. That's man. incredible. I found that God confirmed himself to me. Yeah. Right. And the reason he had to do it was so that I'll never doubt my calling. Right. Right. So I doubt a whole lot of things before, man. Um, I've doubted if I should be alive or not, <clears throat> but I've never doubted if God called me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've doubted if I should be in a, if I was in the right place or not, but I've never doubted the fact that if God called me. And so when I talk to ministers today um, that say they're called to the ministry, I, I send them back multiple times because I want them to know 
that you have to know for a fact that it was God who called you. That's a fact. You know what I mean? Because if not, you'll wrestle with that man every day of your life. Right. Right. I apologize for reaching. I'm trying to make oh, sure we're good. live uh, on, on, on all streams. Um, that's incredible. That's incredible. I got chills thinking about that. Someone walking up to me and telling me my vision. That's that's mind blowing, bro. Promise you, man. <laughs> I'm a believer in it. Still mind blowing. To me. Imagine a 19 year old. Right. You just, know what I mean? That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, all right, sports. So you said football came too easy or basketball? Which one came too easy? Football came too easy. Football came too easy to the point where you were great at it, or you just didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it, man, because it was so easy. You know what I mean? And so mm. it was like I played it, you know what I mean? Like in, in the yeah. neighborhood and that kind of stuff for the recreation. I never played it at school. Um, I was asked to play on multiple occasions, tried out, made the team and walked off, you know, just to show them that I could do it. Um, you know, but it was so easy, man. Football was so always so easy to me so that I just didn't, you know. You talk about when I was growing up, though, mom, it was like nine of us. Grand, my grandmother had nine grandkids that was always around boys. And so I was one of the slowest growing up. But it came to the point where I became almost one of the fastest. Um, I knew I could jump higher than most and all of my uh, cousins and all that kind of stuff, except probably one. And the only one I probably couldn't jump higher than was because he's like six, seven, six, eight. You know what I mean? Um, so, right. but what you gonna do? Um, but, what you gonna right, do? football just came, and I know I know I sound like you know uh, uh, old dude throwing out old stories and that kind of stuff, but I lie to you not, man. I was I, I could dunk by ninth grade. What? And, I, and to this day, I'm only about five nine and a half. And you could dunk that ninth grade, yeah. So that's crazy. You know what I mean? So, um, so but, then okay, so you could dunk. All right, so then basketball. So you dunking at, at in ninth grade. Not a lot of kids are dunking in ninth grade. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a few elite that because you got kids in ninth grade that are tall enough to dunk, but just don't have the athleticism to dunk. Right. So, so that's it. Ain't just about the height, clearly, right? Um. What position did you play? It's, here's the crazy thing, man. Growing up, um, I would though I'm a guard size, uh -huh. most times they would put me as forward or center. Huh. Huh. Right? Were you powerful? You just backing you them know, down? Huh? No, wasn't that man? It was that I mean on I would play center on defense because I could jump high. Huh. Right. I know it sounds crazy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the thing. Here's the crazy thing I tell people. I never played basketball in school. I always played for rec leagues and that kind because I tried. I was going to try out for the team and uh, for a uh, high school team, but I yeah. split my kneecap. Ugh. Right. And so uh, when I went to school, high school started at 10th grade. Right. So oh, I, okay. my high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, you know what I mean? So, um, but, you know, I healed, healed fine and all that kind of stuff. But I would literally, man, um, my knees heal well, you know, no problem. Um, at least not at that time. Right. Um, but you know, crazy thing now is, you know, you, um, so basketball was just my thing. I just loved it. Cause I had to, I had to, when I say work at it in DC, it snows. And so I would literally go outside in the sure. snow to shoot free throws, shoot around, 
You have to put gloves on, get the ball, wipe the ball off after every shot because it's going to plop in the snow. But you're mm. going to get your shots up and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's different. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different struggle right there. No joke. All right. So, I, so love, I love sports. You still you still watch? I, I I watch it every now and then, man. Um, I don't have a favorite team. You know what I'm saying? Um, you ain't got a team. No, nah, I have no favorite team now. Um, so I just like it for I like player. I follow players. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And one of the main reasons I watch it now is so when I'm talking to the fellas and I'm arguing, uh, most likely <laughs> my father-in-law, I know what I'm talking about. That's the only reason I watch what I watch. <laughs> did Did you see? Um, did you have any, just from watching, did you have any inkling that Denver was going to be the team to take take it all the way last year? Or Not did, at all. Or were you shocked like the rest of us? I was absolutely shocked that Denver won. Yeah, when people started talking about Denver, I was like, because I hadn't watched them. So I'm like, yeah, well, Denver, I mean, they've always been solid team they, throughout the years. They've had solid players, but eh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Once they got to the final, man, or the conference final, I knew they was going to win it at that point. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. It um, was obvious. It was like. It was like, yeah, they got it. They got it, you know. Yeah. But I hadn't. I didn't think they were going to do that. No. Yeah. No. So, uh, so basketball, football, any um, boxing? Do you watch MMA? Do you watch wrestling? I mean, growing up, we was, I, growing up, I watched wrestling, man. But um, I watch I watch almost any sport. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, as long as the family watching something like that, but I'm really not. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's on, it's on. If if I watch it, I watch it. Um, yeah. Of course, I just saw the uh, Crawford Spence fight. That blew me away. You know what I mean? I was like, oh blew Spence God. away too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I always thought Earl Crawford would win, right? I just didn't think it would be like that. Right, Terrence Crawford. Yeah, uh, I mean Bud Crawford. Yeah, yeah Bud Crawford. Yeah. I thought Crawford would win. Yeah, uh, I just didn't think it would be like that. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. It, it shocked was, a lot of us. It was dominant, like I mean, crazy, like wow. You know what I'm I saying? I mean, it was uh, dominant. If I had a had to pick a favorite boxer, mm-hmm. uh, he's not boxing anymore, but I probably or a favorite athlete sort of boxer it would probably be Floyd Mayweather. Mm. If I could sit down and talk to somebody, if I, if I could sit down and talk to somebody, no yeah. joke. Yeah. If you give me, he'll probably be one of the three people that I would love to talk to, literally. Um, wow. To sit down and have a conversation with. Because I think, man, he did for boxing what Michael Jordan did for basketball. Uh, he made sure the players got paid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he yeah. showed boxers that there's a business side to hmm. boxing, that you don't got to lose your mind or your faculties getting beat in the head. Cause that's not, it's not a fight. It's boxing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a there's science to it. Yeah. You know true. what I mean? So I, I would love to sit down, man, and talk to him. And uh, people often ask about Kenny Reed and all that kind of stuff. I tell you this, I don't know if he can read well and all of that, but I do know he has enough sense to put smart people around him. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so right. I, I would love to figure out how he decided to do that. How he, what does he look for in people to put around him? in mm. his camp you know what i mean so yeah that's a good point that's a good point you're right he he did that like people don't like to give him that credit but he did that and michael did that matter of fact i just heard a story recently about um i forgot the guy's name i wanted to remember it as well or two but um there was a game in chicago and you know how they do 
uh, like at halftime, they let people do like a half court shot mm-hmm. or free throw to win, you know, a car or whatever. So I want to say it was a million dollar shot. You know and what I'm talking did, about. And they, and they didn't want to pay him because he played semi-pro or something. Right. right. They found that in the contract that right. there was one time that he played, wasn't even a long time. He just played right. for a short time semi-pro and didn't want to pay him. And the person that went to him, Michael Jordan. made sure it was Michael. Right. It was Michael. As a matter of fact, he said he saw Michael later and, and was trying to, you know, get to him to, I don't know if he was trying to talk to him and get an autograph. This is after he got paid. And he said Michael noticed him in the audience and said, oh, let him come through. And he said, you know, before he could even talk, first thing Michael said was, did you get your money? Right. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Right. That says a lot because Michael's making his money. He ain't got to worry about somebody. But he knew it was right. Absolutely. Absolutely. He knew what was right. And that's what I appreciate about it, man. I appreciate it because when you think about names like that, yeah, Michael Jordan, you know, LeBron James, Kareem, you know, you go down the list, yeah. other sports as well, you think about excellence. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, and how they, they manage to secure this place where you think about their name. Their name is literally synonymous with right. being excellent in their profession, you know? So. Right. And I'm glad you said that. Not, but excellent in their profession. But I think that's what proves their personal excellence is because it existed even after the sport left. Right, right. You know what I mean? You look at Mayweather now, he's still training. He yeah. still has boxing gyms. He's still bringing in, promoting the new fighters. Uh, Magic Johnson still buying b- businesses and giving jobs and buying sports teams. And George, I mean, they all continued excellence, which which uh, I guess is a testament, you know, to them that this is not, this was not um, only enveloped in this one sport that I played this piece of my life. Like this was a, this is a continuing lifestyle choice of excellence. Right. And, and that's a, that deserves to be noted. Absolutely. I I think we should highlight that man, especially in our, our space, because, what happens is we don't understand when life shifts. Mm. You know what I mean, there'll be certain things that happen, man, when the season is done. Yeah. We get so caught up in the title of who we are in this space, we yeah. don't know how to shift with the new season. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's what happened with a lot of people. Um, they get caught in the season, you know what I mean? And yeah. what they do is, man, which was meant for them to be a season, they've made a home in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so an interesting shift. I'm going to use this. Hear me back. Uh, I'm going to use this idea of, uh, of knowing when the season is over and, and the shift that happens. Because as a pastor, I know that today's world is an incredible shift. There's, there's new dynamics. There's uh, new cultural realities. There's new truths to be reckoned with. And so we find ourselves in somewhat of a shift, you know, in our society. Uh, some people deal with that shift very well. And, and others are, you know, very much pushed back against it. And I think this happens with any shift that's big. If you look at, uh, you look at hip hop music, you know, once hip hop left that golden era where they felt like they were sampling great jazz and blues records and, and the rapping felt, very organic and personal and there was a disconnected bond in it once it started going elsewhere you had the new side that's looking at it like 
oh yeah, this is this is the new hip hop. Right. And you have the old side that's like, nah, that ain't really hip hop though. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't really hip hop. Right. Same thing happens, um, you know, uh, culturally in other areas, especially when it comes to um, races, you know, when it comes to uh, politics, when, I mean, anything. That's just, I think that's just the dynamic of humans. We we get comfortable. We don't like change. And some change is good. Some change ain't. You know what I mean? Let's call it what it is. So I have heard and noticed that there has been a shift in the church, right? There's been a shift with people. I don't know. I mean, it definitely happened before COVID, um, but I do feel like COVID kind of played a part. I won't say cemented it, but played a part in it. And it feels as though there's people leaving the church. The numbers in churches across America are dwindling. I know you can't speak to all churches, but you've been a part of the black church your entire life. I mean, even Korean black church from what I hear. Um, what do you feel or what do you see as the problems that are causing this shift? Wow. I, I think it's uh, multi-dimension, if that makes sense. Um, one, I, I think we can't blame COVID for what was transpiring before COVID. True. All right. Um, two, I, I think what we have to do is we have to be honest about the challenge and the identity of church itself, right? Hmm. Uh, whenever church loses its relevance, hmm. people tend to walk away, right? Um, and let's be honest, we don't. I don't know if people are walking away from church because of church or if people are walking away from church because of the message of the church. Hmm. And here's what I mean. Some people are walking away from church because the church seems like it's outdated, uh, meaning the structure, the preaching is the same, teaching is the same. So the model of church hasn't shifted at all. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget Dr. Jamal Bryant, who now pastors New Birth in uh, Atlanta. He was former pastor of Empowerment Temple in Baltimore. He once said that when it comes to technology, the church is literally 20 to 30 years behind the world. Right. And so because of that, people didn't find space for themselves in the context of a changing church. Right. But I also think, man, that there is a another thing that's transpiring right now where I don't always think it's. It's because of the church, for say. Right. Mm. I think it's because of the message of the church. And that's what the church got to stop playing a game at. Right. Because we still have a message to preach whether yeah. people like it or not, right? That's true. The question true. becomes, what is the purpose of the church? Is God calling us to be a large church or a righteous church? Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah, the gospel is not meant to draw everybody in. And if everybody's all, and, and I think that's the challenge because we're looking to make people happy, right? We want people to be happy with life, to feel good about life. And I don't even think that's the purpose of life. Right. And in our culture, that happens because, you know, people always say like, God is love and right. love is God. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of, you know, flowery, feel good place, you know, moments. And so that's people do come for that. Do you think that that's that, that there's a problem in that someone that is broken, that finally hears someone say, I'm t I've been trying to tell you come to church. And then they come 
for that and mainly for that. Yes, because what the prosperity church had done has done is the prosperity church has removed sacrifice from church. Mm. Right? So all I got to do is show up and give God money, but there's no sacrifice in my lifestyle. There's no sacrifice in who I am as a person. Um, and so I, I think what we miss my is we come to church to have our lab conform to whatever we want. When the scripture teaches not about conforming to anything, but being transformed by the word. So when I leave church, I should leave church different. That is the whole idea of repent. Repentance is a turning away from yeah, yeah. and turning back to God. Not a 360. If I do a 360, I'm going in the same direction I've always been going. Yeah. But a 180, I'm literally going to go in the opposite direction from the direction I was already going. And so we got to be careful that we don't miscommunicate what scripture teaches, right, to what we feel. Because there are times there's a collision between the two, right? I don't have a right to say what I feel when God's word, when I'm talking about God's word. Uh. It, it's what This is what the word states, and that's it. Whether I believe, whether I feel that way or not is irrelevant. This is yeah. what he says. Yeah. And so if I'm going to be right about something, my right need to be the fact that I'm going to be the same on all sin, not just some sin. Mm. And so how do you, uh, that's a, a great point about it. They took out sacrifice. So how does the church reintroduce the idea of sacrifice without not saying that you want to not do it because of this, but without basically scaring people away because they've been conditioned now to feel like, well, that's not a part of it. Now they maybe it's all oh, that's just your church. Maybe you just trying to get something. You telling me to, you know, we go through all that. So how do you bring sacrifice back in? What what I try to do, man, uh, in my context is I try to teach on the true, authentic reason for church. Right. Hmm. Um, think about it from this perspective. From this point, we don't have church. Most people go to church looking at church like it's a cruise ship, right? I'm going on a cruise. When you go on a cruise, all of your needs are met. All of your wants are met. Okay. Everything is met. I've never been on a cruise, but I'm telling what people tell me, right? Everything is already met. What you're going to eat is already prepared, all that kind of stuff, right? So the cruise ship is designed to serve you. What I try to tell people is the church ought not be looked at like a cruise ship. It ought be looked at like a battleship. We're not here to meet your needs. We're here to prepare you for war because we are at war, right? Um, and that's, that's what good. scripture teaches. That's and this good. is why we lose communities. This is why we're losing uh, um, our, our young people. This is why we're losing ground in the church because we're no longer fighting the war Yeah, because we're so busy making people comfortable and being served, right? Yeah. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And the only way I can serve somebody is if I yeah. sacrifice my wants and my needs for the larger overall context. And this is what's going on even in our own community, right? Yeah. Think about it. The reason you have a civil rights struggle as powerful as it was is because the collective, the collective now sacrificed for the for uh the group sacrificed for each other, right? So you could have you could have a Bill Russell a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a Jim Brown saying, hey, we're going to go down there and be with Muhammad Ali or we're going to go and, and be with Dr. King and all this kind of thing because they're yeah. sacrificing for the for the whole, regardless of your place, right? But we don't do that anymore. Yep. 
Kaepernick situation, you know, then it turns into uh, something else. <laughs> it turns into something else. And then by the time we're done with it, you know, you, you've lost the meaning. I mean, I look at Kaepernick's situation and I hear how it into this, you know, anti-police, anti-military. It's just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he, when was he saying that? But, you know, th- this is what happens. Now, my, now my view, my view, my view on that is is a little different, right? For this reason, this reason on, I, I agree totally with what you're saying, right? Okay. But in large part, I blame the black church, right? Mm. For how the story was turned. Okay. And this is why I blame us for how the story was turned. I blame us because we allowed the narrative to be taken off because we preached it in that moment and then start talking about it. Mm. Right. So we, we, we used the moment for preaching engagement, but that was it. Mm. In essence, we didn't sacrifice long enough because many of us are afraid that we're going to lose members. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and so we got to be careful with that whole scenario, whole, that whole piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. And absolutely. so, and so what, what I, what I really think man is, is that until we understand the collective voice, yeah, we should have gathered around and I'm talking about the black community. We should have gathered around Kaepernick mm. because we wanted him to stop playing football, to kneel and give up his career. Right. Huh. But we weren't going to hire him. He had sacrificed to get to the pinnacle of a place for his sport. Yeah. Then after he gave that up, what did we do? Moved on. Right? We moved on. Now, this man has lost millions. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so we were were celebrating. Yeah, Kaepernick, hey. But we still went to the arenas. We still bought the tickets. Most of a lot of people in my family are Dallas Cowboy fans, right? I ask them all the time, how can you support Jerry Jones? I know. Well, I'm in that conversation all the time. I'll be like, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's, it's like I don't even as soon as the team is brought up, I'll be like, Yeah, because you know, I mean, let, let's let's keep it real. Most of us, we get um our sports teams from our fathers. You know, most most young men get their sports team from their fathers. They get the sports that they're into from their fathers most of the time. So, you know, of course, th- there's pride in that. So my dad's Dallas Cowboy. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I stand mm-hmm. on that. Until the conversation makes its way up the bleachers, <laughs> into the stands, <laughs> into the owner's box, and then I'd be like, I don't want to talk no more. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying, though? But what but, but, but it goes to show no you, man, is that are we really willing to sacrifice? All right, all right. You know what I mean? Nah, I, I get you. you. But you, the the point you made about um, not willing to give up, uh, not willing to give up members. You know, you don't want to upset people. You don't want to, you know, rub people the wrong way. I left the church for that exact reason because I realized that they didn't want to speak on all sin because some of the congregation may be or may have an affinity for <laughs> you know where I live, you know where I live. Uh-huh. And so I realized like and and there was a moment. This wasn't just like me gathering intel from being in church 
you know, each Sunday and then going, oh, I'm kind of noticing this. There was a moment like you had your moment. Mm-hmm. There was a moment I was I was taking a walk. I used to take nightly walks in the park. The park is literally right across the street from the church. I'm walking and I and and I hear uh, the you know music from the church. I'm like, oh, that's right. It's Bible study tonight. I'm going to go ahead over to Bible study, go to the church, sit down for Bible study. When I sit down, there's an interesting look on all the faces. I mean, I can't, I can't grasp it, but it feels like something happened and I don't know about it. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody was just talking about me. And then I happened to walk in like, Oh, he got here. Come to find out there was a guy who had a demonic episode during one of the songs, he started pushing and and went into a rage. They say he literally flipped one of the pews over and he was probably like in his late 20s, early 30s. They said there was like four or five grown men that he was throwing off of him and they could not get him to stop. They couldn't contain him. He was pushing people, yelling. I mean... This whole moment, they finally he finally calms down. They take him in the back. This is when I come in, right? So that's why the look. Everybody's trying to continue church, mm. <laughs> woo, <laughs> and and not really knowing what to do at this moment. The guy comes back out later on. I guess the pastor goes and talks to him. He comes back out. He states very clearly, "I have been fighting." the demon of homosexuality and I, and and I feel like I'm losing the fight basically. And so that rage was this moment that he had dealing with that. The way that the pastor talked about it and kind of minimized it for the moment, tried to lift up other sins and then tried to somehow like kind of tuck it under like it's like like let's not speak to it let's yes it's a but hey you know we all because some of y'all and so uh, and then let's just talk about some other stuff and i was like that was interesting it was interesting how you kind of maneuvered that so i just kind of held it the very next sunday he spoke about it and he went on and on and on about some other sins he did not bring that up at all and in the in the congregation and i know he saw it because it wasn't that big of a church there were two men laid up on each other. I had never saw this at this church. I mean, laid up like they had a Beyonce concert. Didn't say anything to it. And I said, oh, okay. I've seen enough. I ain't going to be in here when this place fall down. I'm, I'm, I'm up out of here. So what are your thoughts? I know that was a long spiel, but I had to give you the storyline. What are your thoughts? with the LGBTQ community and the church. And is there a place for them? Is there a place for them? Like what? Let me, let me, is there a place for them in the church? Absolutely. Let me, let me make myself clear though. Absolutely. When transformation is taking place, Hmm. right? There's not a, there's a place for all sinners. As long as we don't hold to the reality that it's okay for my sin. I argue this heavily, and and we have to be careful with with, with this, that 
if I remove one sin, I have to remove them all. Wow. Right. And so I don't play that game. Again, I say what God's word says, whether people like it or not. And and I've had that, I've had that at a former church, former church that I pastored. Uh, mm-hmm. I had people tell me, I can grow your church overnight if you accepted this lifestyle. No, I can't do it. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I won't mm-hmm. do it. I won't do oh, it. Oh, if you accept if I if I'd married this couple, if I married a homosexual oh. couple. And I said no, can't do it. Wow. Right? Um, they actually came to you and said that. Absolutely. I had more than one couple came to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can grow However, this church it, overnight. Yeah. Here, here's the funny part about it is hmm. out of all of the couples that came to me, all of them still respect me, even though I said no. That's beautiful. Because what they realize is, is that I love them. I wow. just could not, I've not treated them any different. Right. That's huge. But That's I have to hold fast to what I believe scripture teaches. That's huge. You see what I'm saying? Still love uh, them. Here's his crazy part. Uh, and I'm talking about through the death of family members and all that kind of stuff. They call me first. Wow. Right? Okay. Um, because they know I'm going, if I call him, he's Pastor Brown is going to be, and I'm talking, they go to other churches. Yeah. But they call me first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I value that, man. Um, but I don't, I, I, um, when it comes to that uh, LBGT community plus community, I think we have to be real careful, right? In that uh, we don't allow people to think that you don't have to transform. There's a difference. There's a difference. And, I, and based upon the, even what you were talking about, what happened in the scenario, which you went, walked into, right? right? There's a difference with somebody who's struggling with a sin hmm. than for somebody who's given into that sin. True. Right? If I'm struggling, I'm asking God for help and I'm, I'm, I'm battling it as much as I can. I'm battling. Yeah. Right. It's like what Paul says in Romans chapter seven. Every time I try to do right, evil mm. is always present. I, I'm, always I got present. this internal thing that's struggling with me. Right. That's very different than the person who says, OK, I'm this way and God says it's OK for me to be this way. And what I'll do now is I'll change God's word to fit me because I'm this way. That's why I draw the line. At. I, yeah, I know that's, that's, that's different. Right. We, we we can't have that battle. We can't have that battle. And I've, I've talked to many of my people, I think, that are theologians, know the Bible much better than I. Yeah. Um, and they have this argument that says uh, what, you know, homosexuality are only used two places in the Bible, came up after 1946 in the translations and all that kind of stuff. And when I talk to them, I say this, let's remove the word homosexuality, right? What you have to admit, though, is, is the scripture points to the act of man with man and women with women wrong. Right. Yeah. Even if you don't want to call it homosexuality, if you don't want to say homosexual or or anything like that, it points to the very act that is wrong. Yeah. And when I can come and say that I don't agree with the nature in which I was born. okay, or the nature in which I was born. okay. If it's okay for a homosexual to say they were born a homosexual, right? Uh-huh. Is it okay then for a pedophile to say he was born a pedophile? Right. The slippery slope. Is it okay for a drunk to say he was born a drunk? Right? Because all of us are born with a preconceived condition to sin. Huh. But that doesn't mean that we have to give in to that sin. Because yeah. again, God has called me to transformation. 
So I have to be transformed from that which I desire hmm. to that which he desires for me. And so have you have you had any uh, direct conversations with, I mean, I know you said you've had people come and ask you to marry them. Um, have you had any of these kind of conversations where, you know, they sit on one side saying, no, you're wrong. I was born like this. And then and your side is more, no, you were born and through conditions that happened to you or around you, there was sin that you gave into, and this is how you are. <clears throat> yeah, but, but here's why I'm careful. Here's why I'm careful. Again, notice, notice where I argue this at, right? Mm-hmm. I argue we were all born with preconceived additions to some sin. Right. Right? And I say that because what they try to say is, what about the homophobite? Somebody who's born with both sexes, right? Right, right, right. Even in that case, they choose one. Most of them, 90% of people that are born that way don't battle between the two. True. Right? Their, True. their dominant gene takes over in that case, right? But even in that case, I say, when we understand who we are, right, by the nature of sin, yeah. What I then have to understand is, okay, this is who I was am. This is what I like. Now I got to say, what does God say about it? Hmm. Especially as a Christian, right? Yeah. When you when you're in the world, and we I know we get the politics and all that stuff later on, and I'll give you my whole thesis, man, on this whole piece on uh, Christianity and the political age now. Why you can you know vote Democratic and still be a Christian, even though they believe in the liberal ideas of LGBTQ and all that kind of stuff. I know yeah. we'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah. But but yeah. but the thing is, we got to be, we have to understand though is, is that again, transformation must be the word of the day. God is not as concerned about our happiness mm-hmm. as we would like to think. He's more concerned happiness through holiness. That I'm happy and you'll receive happiness when you're obedient. And that's what scriptures teach. Right. If you yeah. obey, obey my word, obey my laws, follow these commands, these blessings, these happy things shall happen to you. Right. Right. Oh, OK. We, we, we getting there. I, I told him I told him we was going to have a con- we was going to have a conversation today. Um, OK, um, so. So transformation is a requirement so someone who feels like you know well i was told that 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 god you know is just gonna accept me the way that i am why do i have to change i thought it was come as you are i thought god was all loving if god made me this way he knew me when i was in my mother's womb and 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 all those things not why am i transforming and he knew i was he knew I was born with a with a, a predisposition to sin when I was born. Well, why, why I got to go through all of this hard hardship? Why can't I just live in the comfortableness that is me, the way that I wake up, where my energy and thoughts flow? Why can't I just do that? You could, you could do that. You could, you could live however you want to live, right? Mm-hmm. But not live for God doing the same thing you want to do, mm. right? God made us with free will. It was not God's intent for us to live in sin. This is why Calvary came about. Mm. 
so that we have the power over sin. And then one day he'll deliver us from the presence of sin, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so what, what, when people argue that argument, what I try to get people to understand is, is that God has a law that should supersede our right, our our desires. Mm. So when He creates us, He creates us, man. First time, the Bible says, David says, "I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity." So what happens when we accept Christ in our life? The Bible then says that, "Behold, all things have become new." I'm a new creature now. Mm. So being a new creature, I shouldn't walk in my old ways. And now when I accept Christ, I have the power to fight against the things I used to do. And that's what we don't like to hear. We don't, I've had people say so many things, Brother Jay. I've had people say, well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Hmm. I said, yes, he did. They said, where? Every time he talked about marriage, you never heard him say, Man and man, woman and woman with woman. It was always a reference to husband and wife. Always. Always. Yeah, because he understood this was God's desire for us. Yeah. What does he say? In the beginning, it wasn't so. In the beginning, God says, Well, a man should leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Right? So he's identifying what marriage should look like. Yeah. So yeah. We, we so we say that what we have to do then is what they do then is they try to change the narrative of scripture being that the scripture was not sealed with the 66 because their ideology was still forming. No, God's ideology wasn't still forming. I'm sorry. And so I, I stick with the book. So all that stuff you want to say, dude, that, that's up to you. God bless you. Right. However, I just believe, right? I believe yeah. that if we're going to deal with sin, we have to deal with sin. Right. And there is no easy way because again, people will look for and find those people who want to tell them what they want to hear. Of course. Right? Of course. Yeah. And, and, and that's what Paul tells Timothy. People are going to look for you to itch their ears. Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's the goal of the minister, the preacher, and the Christian not to itch ears, but to say what thus says the Lord. Mm. Yeah. And I believe it can be done, watch this, with a serious tone and love on the heart because you said something that was major. People often say, but God loves. Yes, God loves us. Here's the fact. I love my daughter, but so, uh, my children, but sometimes I punish them. Mm. Love looks different sometimes. I don't think it looks different. I don't think, I, I, what, what I think is, it's deeper than that. I think that is the part of love we forget. I, the reason I'm disciplining you is because I love you. Because I love you. Yeah. And yeah. I meant looks different because some people expect love to just gotcha. look. You get what I'm saying? Gotcha. But gotcha. yeah, I, I get it. Ooh, I love you. Ooh, that kind right. of stuff. But until I, I understand, man, until I start understanding that the reason God disciplines me, the reason uh, he chastened, chastened me, is because of the fact that he loves me. Yeah. Those mm. who God chastened, he loves. Those who God disciplined, mm. he loves. Right. So if God is not disciplining you, if God is not uh, uh, um, trying to transform you, then I don't know what's going on. Right. Right. And the fact that, you know, that person is even asking that question, they need to ask themselves, why? Why why am I talking to a pastor (laughs) with this question? There must be something. There must be something God is putting on your heart, 
something deep inside that maybe you don't, because you could just say, I ain't talking to you about this. I can already assume what you might say. Eh, I'm doing me. And here's what I find crazy right now, right? Here's what I find crazy that's happening that nobody's speaking about, right? Yeah. People are making some people comfortable in sin, mm. right? Yeah. While at the same time, making those who are married uncomfortable. Mm. Go 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 deeper on that one, Pastor. Yeah. Let's, let's hear it. Because nowadays, marriage is not considered sexy in the church. You don't hear churches preaching about biblical marriage. That's true. You hear pastor, churches preaching about uh, uh, holiness in marriage, sanctification in marriage, right? Yeah. Uh, the Bible says that a sanctified husband can sanctify his wife and a sanctified wife could sanctify her husband, right? We don't talk about that. Why? Because nowadays, I can't really push people toward marriage when I vilified it. Right. Mm. And so, and so what is happening is we wonder why there are so many divorces in the church. If the anointing comes from the word of God, right. And we say the anointing is like Aaron's uh, anointing that fell on Aaron's head, went down to his beard, his breastplate, it continued to flow down. Right. Yeah. If there's no anointing from the head, how can there be an anointing from the body? Uh, that's a bar you, you know what i mean yeah and, and i mean we may, maybe we need to go back and have marriage classes in church yeah preaching about me a couple of weeks ago at church man i started this whole piece man um on having our leaders deacons and everything sit by your wives hmm. yeah sit, sit together right yeah unbeknownst to me uh crazy thing that happened is uh, many, most, a lot of people in the church started thanking me because now they saw who they were married to. Because some of the people didn't even know who their spouse was, and these were leaders in the church. That's good. That's good. What what gave you that? Like, where'd that come from? Preacher suggest that that I can't be serious about marriage or family, right? without promoting it in every aspect of the church. Hmm. Right? That that is impossible for me to do that without saying, hey y'all, listen, marriage is real. Right. Right. Uh there's a quote uh by a gentleman man who said the family is the seminary of society. Hmm. That if we got the family right, yeah, society would be able to see God in the family and be transformed by it. Hmm. And that's why the end that, that that was my whole piece, man, my whole argument against the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm oh, black against the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me say this. Not not the movement, but the organization. Right? Okay. And there is a difference. Right. Because I, when I say I'm I'm blackly black, you know what I mean? I believe in black. <laughs> I'm, I was born black. I'm a dad black. You know what I mean? I'm James Brown black. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Uh but my argument against them, man, was the from the core of their foundation, when you look at uh, how they were created, yeah. it was to destroy the nucleus of mm. the black family, mm. which meant their purpose was to remove the black male from the house. And I couldn't agree with that. I, I didn't know. I didn't see that. What, what gave you that? I'm talking, I can know what I missed. 
It was because I, I didn't hear that. I'm, I'm going to find their uh, find their thing. When you look at their charter, mm-hmm. um, the initial charter for the Black Lives Matter organization. Yeah, it literally talked about them destroying the nucleus of the black family. Really? That that's how the black family is created. Yeah, the the, the whole idea of a husband, wife, and children. They that that because keep in mind now it was homosexuals who started it. Didn't know that. Right. That's so all. I'm, I'm gonna see. Didn't uh, know that. Yes. I mean, most people most people missed it. You know what I mean. I need somebody in the chat to tell me if they knew that. I, I need to not feel like I was the only one. <laughs> I don't want to feel like I was the only one, Pastor. Did not know that. Were they at least black? Yes. <laughs> okay. 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 At least it was black. Don't tell me that homosexual Asians came up with Black Lives Matter. Just uh, you know, tear everything so, apart. So, so watch this. And, uh, and you can just do a quick Google. Thank okay. God for Google, right? Uh, New York Post had a thing about uh, what they stated uh, hmm. in that uh, they removed that language from their website, but they had it up there. Hmm. Right uh, here. Their language says that language said we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure required by supporting each other as extended families and villages. So literally what they were talking about is this whole piece on fathers, mothers and children. That's what they wanted to get rid of the nuclear family. Uh, nuclear family, uh, they wanted to explode it. And so, how? Okay, so so I mean, accept that as their their mo. So then, how does the Black Lives Matter movement and what they showed the, as the face of it? How does that fulfill did, that? Answer this question: What did they show as the face of it? It depends on what you're looking at. When I was saying the face of it, I meant like the first people that I saw that they put on, you know, wearing the shirts and holding up the flags. It was usually black women that I saw in the beginning. I always thought black women put it together this whole time. They did. They did. They did. But oh, so they were. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. The black women were the homosexuals. So, so, So they were trying to. Wow, I'm trying to put my you got you blew me away with that one. (laughs) <laughs> I can't front. You blew me away with that one. So you got uh, lesbian black women created the Black Lives Matter movement. And no, I don't know they, if it was no, They created the organization. I mean, sorry, the organization. And then whether it was their sole principle or one of their major principles of this organization was to destroy the, the, the nuclear family. Yes. And so then how did the movement turn into, you know, George Floyd? Like, how did it then bridge into this police brutality fight? Because that came out, right? That that whole piece came out and it, it was birthed in the same idea, right? Yeah. That uh, imagine, imagine something taking place and then something happens, right? Something is taking place in the background and then something happens to give it its, its, its motor, so to speak. Okay. Right. I got you. Uh, again, I, I don't think we vilify what they did. Hmm. I'm not vilifying what they did. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying I disagree with the stance they took as far as Black Lives Matter. I disagreed with the organization stance of destroying the nuclear family. Right. Right. 
that that, right. that that's my point of saying that 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 I disagree with this structure. Yeah. For this purpose. Right. 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 Yeah. And and so okay, so that's even something else I didn't know. I didn't. I wasn't aware that there was a Black Lives Matter organization that existed even for a short moment or long prior to the movement. I thought it all kind of happened together. I thought it was like George Floyd happened and it's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, we need Black, Black Lives, Matter. Lives Matter, boom. Yeah, but, but keep in mind now that organization is separate from the movement. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I didn't realize the movement yeah. and the organization were two right. different things. Yeah. So when I hear people, so now at least I'll give a little more, uh, I guess, understanding to someone who is against Black Lives Matter, even though kind of like the Kaepernick situation, it kind of starts to get muddy mm -hmm. to where you do have some people that just kind of throw it all together. Like when they say I'm against Kaepernick, they're not talking about the police police brutality that he need for that he knelt for. They're talking about the 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 anti military that whole thing that got like somehow smashed in with it. And they're like, I hate that he did that. I love the military. It's like, okay, this is this is the difference from somebody in the military yeah. uh, that, that I'll, I'll, I'll share. Um, one, Kaepernick went and talked to a Navy SEAL before he kneeled. Hmm. Okay. That's who told him to kneel. Oh, wow. He told him kneeling would be the most productive way. Right? A Navy number SEAL. Two, number two, we forget that Tim Tebow kneeled. Yes, he did. Before Kyle Kaepernick. This is true. But nobody had an issue with that, right? Nobody, right. So when Kyle Kaepernick kneels, he says, I'm kneeling for this reason now. Think about it. What is a protest? He's protesting silently. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's, not, he's not disrespecting the flag. Peaceful he's not disrespecting the flag. You have the same people, same white racist people, right? Mm -hmm. Who wear the flag as bikini. Who wipe beer on the flag from wipe their mouth with it? Right. Gonna say now he disrespecting the flag and the police. How is he disrespecting police by calling attention to police brutality? Right. 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 right? That 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 is to suggest that if I speak up and I, I hear people say it all the time. Somebody just on Facebook said, that, "If you don't like what's going on here, leave." So if I criticize what's going on, I don't have to leave and go where African Americans. And natives are the only two that shouldn't have to go anyplace. Natives because they were originally here. Right. African Americans because we were bought. We, we didn't want to come here. Right. And then we built it. Right. You know what I mean? So well, it was built on our backs. So we're so, we gonna yeah. leave it go back to you stole us. Right. And the sad part is when you when you stole us, we don't even know what nas nation we belong to in Africa. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's not like we can just go, pick up and go back somewhere. Right. Right. You know, um, and so th th this whole peace man that we, we, we talk about and we don't deal with right because we're afraid to get in conversation and then we don't like having conversation, right? Yeah. I I argue and I, I, I wholeheartedly stand by this, that until we learn how to talk about the hard issues, we won't solve anything. Right. 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 And so we have to talk about the unique differences of African-Americans while not letting them off. 
All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there are unique differences of African-American over every other ethnic group in America. Every other one. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. There's difference with us and natives. Right. Though natives were destroyed in large part, they were still given land. <clears throat> right. When you look after the uh, sil- after the Civil War, African-Americans had, you know, so much land. But by the time 1920 hit. Right. We had only a tenth of the land we had after hmm. the Civil War. Hmm. Because hmm. of laws yeah. and things like that that were created to strip us from land, to strip us from the ownership of land. Why? Because land meant wealth. This is how people gained wealth in America initially. True. Right? Uh through through property, buying property. So um, my father, who fought, who's still alive, who fought in World War II, right? Um, once the GI Bill was created for so they can buy houses and stuff, he wasn't even allowed to use the GI Bill to buy a house, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so I, I often share with people that that you got to be careful. And this was my big issue with you know. I know, you know, a couple, I think a week or so ago, you had a, another person on my big issue with that whole conversation um, because mega make America great again. When was America ever great is my argument. My question, right? America has always had the potential to be great, oh. but America has never lived up to the totality and the fullness of what it could be. Right. And it never will yeah. unless it can look back yeah. and, and, and atone yeah. for, you know, its atrocities. America argued for and even was a go-between so that the Jews could receive its financial reconciliation from Germany. Hmm. Hmm. So that's part of the reparations conversation I just had. At the same time now, we're arguing that African-Americans shouldn't receive reparations. Right. But you recognize that the Jews... And I, and I say this with all humility of heart. It was only 6 million Jews affected. And quiet as kept. They were the Zionist Jews, right? Uh-huh. Which were European Jews huh. that was affected. Huh. Okay. And yeah. so we, we don't, we don't deal with that. And you had what? Over 20 million died just in the middle passage of African Americans. Right. right. That part. Right. So and, and 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 we live in a nation now where you say anything about a Jew, you vilified. Oh yeah. But yet they allow Jewish people allow movies to be made, right? They use the N-word and all that all the time. I I'm not a Fox News host person. Right. But I listen to all news. Right. Uh, yeah. I understand. And, and I often do. share with people why you have to be careful. And this is why I, I'm independent, but I do vote mostly uh, Democratic. Right. Um, but th- this is this is my stance. When you look at it, show me a major news company. And I know it's going to get you get your boy in a lot of trouble, but show me a major news company that's not run by you. This is a fact. <laughs> I mean, I live in, I've lived in Los Angeles for a long time. So when I hear the, <laughs> when I hear people nowadays finally popping out and saying certain things about, you know, the Jewish and 
who runs this and who owns it. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> right. But but you see what I'm saying? So, so whoever owns the media dictates the, the, the story. Yeah, South Central Conservative. That was the guy I was having a conversation with. I was telling him when I hear him and, and people that view, you know, politics right now the way he does, I was saying, you know, your distrust for the media is exactly the same thing that Adolf Hitler did in Germany. And there was a reason for it. There was a reason he had his own video production company team. He had people that specifically created media for, you know, newspapers, for uh, the radio, for TV. They sent out videos to families. The idea is media tells the story. Media, um, you know, uh, conditions you on what you believe or don't believe. And so, and and that was his thing. If you want to go into a new area and, and, and take it over, the first thing you do is take over the media. And so when I hear people with this constant distrust for the government based on what they see in the media and they feel like, you know, they, they are the only ones that know of the hundred percent truth. And anyone that doesn't believe this exact truth, it's just like, it's, it's scary and sad to hear because it's like, you don't realize this is all crafted. This is all strategic. This is not by accident. This is not half of America just ain't listening. There's a method to this. As I, as I was listening, what was jumping out to me was he doesn't distrust all media. He only distrusts the media that doesn't tell him what he want to hear. Right? Because mm -hmm. he doesn't mistrust mm -hmm. right-wing media. Yeah. Right? Uh, <clears throat> and right. think about it. Recently, man, right. uh, Fox News, remember they were sued by that uh, voting machine company? Uh, yeah, Dominion. Dominion, right? Yeah. And what did they argue? They argued that they were not really news. They were entertainment. Right. All of a sudden. Right. You know what I mean? So now they're not news, they're entertainment. So your Sean Hannity's, your and all of those other guys. Right. Um Tucker Carlson's. They're 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 just faces right. of entertainment now. You know what I mean? Right. Um and I, I wouldn't mind if somebody say, I'm this is who I'm voting for, and this is the reason why I nest this it. And just leave it at that, right? Right. But the moment you start pointing a finger overlooking what your candidate has done. I say to this, um, Donald Trump is the most wicked president and the most destructive president hmm. to the U.S. Constitution than any president that ever lived. Hmm. <clears throat> and I say that, man, without contradiction or, 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 or back, any backing down. All right. And I, I would argue that to the day I die. And yeah. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Donald Trump would bend the Constitution for himself. The only reason he's running for president, the only reason he's running for president right now is because he has in his mind that if I'm president, I can't go to prison. Uh, I can see that. Right. I can see that. So, I mean, to me, I also feel like I also feel like just looking at him and listening to him in the beginning, as far as, you know, I brought up in the episode talking about if he ever. Uh, ran for president, he would run as Republican because, you know, basically they're the dumbest. I forgot exactly how he worded it, but he did say something to that effect. If you don't believe me, y'all look it up. And then for him and then for him to do it and and when he talked about draining the swamp and he, this, this isn't what people said about him, this is him saying 
when they first told him to say that, he didn't even know what it meant. He was like, I, I, they told him to say it at a rally. And he said, oh, okay, fine, I'll say it. He's like, then I said it, and everybody went crazy. I was like, oh, wow, okay. So at the next rally, I said it again. They went, I'm like, oh, they like this. And it's like, to me, that's, there's a, there's a, um, there's a need for popularity that he's always had. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, even though he was a multi-billionaire real estate mogul, he was still on WWF, you know, <laughs> fighting in the so ring. They say, so they say he was those things. So they say. So that his, right. so they say his dad was, and you know what the investments. Yeah, and his dad, his dad had money. You can't you can't deny the fact that he has a lot of money. Right. But you can de- you can deny or question if he's up as where he say he is. Hmm. And I say that because this I argue this is why he fights against releasing his tax information tax so much. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I say, man, that that when we come to po- politics, right? Yeah. And we look at we look at how politics are, are played out in the arena of people that I have people in my family, um, you know, to talked about this whole Donald Trump piece. And I tell them you vote for Donald Trump. That's a vote of ignorance, right? Because I asked one question and they could never answer it. In the first two years of president Obama's presidency, president Obama became president. He said, I'm going to give you health care." He had the white house, the Senate and the house. He, he got there. He, he got, uh, Medicare, I mean, a medical for all, right? Obamacare, healthcare for all, right? Right. This is what lost them the house because he told them that in order to do this, we're going to have to sacrifice some of y'all. But they mm-hmm. did it, right? And and they got medical, uh, Obamacare. Donald Trump came in the office. He had the White House, the Senate, and the House. Huh. What did he get? Tax the uh, cuts for the wealthy. <clears throat> he didn't even have enough sense to let the tax cuts that he got for the poor last, but he made sure the tax cuts for the wealthy lasted. Hmm. That was his main goal to get a tax cut. Then they argued this whole piece on uh, Biden, Hunter Biden, right? Saying he got $7 million or whatever from the Chinese or whoever. But they forget that Jared Kushner got three billion from the Middle East. And but you know that's exactly why with conversations with him because it's so convoluted. Because I can already I can hear him now in my ear responding to everything that you're saying because of you know that that's just that's what they do, and and to the point where the reason we had that episode and we'll continue to try to get through this indictment. Uh, which I do want to know your your thoughts on the on the indictments. The reason I wanted to do that was to try my best. I, I know a few people that that love Trump, support Trump. Cool, support who you want to support. But it's hard to have a conversation about it because we can't stay on focus. We can't stay in one topic. If if we if we talk about um, January sixth. We got to also talk about Hunter Biden. We also got to talk about Hillary's emails. We also got to talk about, it's like, uh, okay, if you want to have another conversation about those things, I'm down. But 
can we just focus on this thing? But it, but it feels like their their depth chart is very shallow. So they only have two or three strong rebuttals about any particular thing. And then we got to go to the next thing <laughs> because I, you know what I mean? I don't want to lose ground See, sticking to this too long. Here's the funny part about that though, right? I love when they change. Hmm. When I'm talking to uh, Trump, I love when they change, change topics, right? Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about Hillary. Hillary was brought up. Remember over six times under congressional hearings under Republicans and they found nothing. Hmm. We talk about Benghazi. Her emails about it, but taking to court, nothing. They said it was nothing. Right. 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 But for some reason, every time we get to this president and we're talking about Republicans uh, uh, investigated these things. Yeah. Right. Right. Talk about the, the whole leading up to uh, January the 6th. Right. Donald Trump appointees. Right. That's a Said, big, no, you don't have no ground to stand on. Your own appointees. So you have no ground to stand on, right? All right, all right. So we got to right. stop. I, 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 th- this is one of the things I can't stand about Democrats, hmm. right? Is that they try to act like they're not crooked. Right. And they want to play politics all well and good, right? Yeah. So you don't want to say anything bad about the other side. Right. Right. Yeah. But if we don't start talking some serious stuff about this context and conversation, yeah, I'm telling you, man, we're in a more trouble than we think we are because I don't think our constitution can hold up much longer under what the weight that is under now. Right? Think about it. Donald Trump is trying to put in place people who will usurp the constitution to make votes in, in uh, not valid. Right. Invalid, right? Yeah. So we got to be careful with that. Yeah. Especially as African Americans. Right? Because we had to fight through so much to get our right to vote. Right. I mean, they wanted to evoke, uh, invoke martial law. <laughs> Just to say I didn't lose. I mean, and 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 I try my best to, to stay in the middle. You heard me say, like, I'm in, a, I'm in a purple state. I try to be an independent thinker. There are things on one side that I, I can agree with, and then on that side, I don't. And the other side, same thing. And, you know... One one thing that 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 South Central always says is that he's like I'd rather be with someone because I was like you keep saying that you know black people think that Democrats love them and 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 they don't they you know they they do this they do that they promise you all these things blah 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 and he said I'd rather be with people I'd rather know that somebody doesn't like me than someone that's just acting like they they that they like me and I'm like. No, nah, not really. I kind of don't want to be with either one of them, <laughs> if, if you want to keep it real. But and I told him, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of politics comes down to you, neither side is going to be a hundred percent what you want, who you are, what you stand for. You have to find a way because we're we live in America. We live in a two party system. No matter how we try to chop it up, so it's like you have to find a way to move about as an American. You you have a vote. You have ancestors that went through hell to make sure you have a vote. You got to make a decision. So you're going to make a decision the best way you can. And he, I don't know if you heard him, but he talked about being in, the, in, a, in, in a gang when he was younger. And I said, okay, you grow up, your brother's uh, a crip, your cousin's a crip, your uncle was a crip, your whole neighborhood is, is crips. You know that they don't really love you like that. You know that they not 
they're not a hundred percent all about your well-being and your future and all these things. But you telling me because they acting like they love you, but you know they don't. But the Bloods are openly saying they don't love you. You gonna go rock with the Bloods and go? No, you're not doing that. You're gonna find a way to make peace with this, and you're gonna you have to. You got to find some kind of harmony in it. And I feel like that is what a lot of Black people find themselves having to do is to choose from from you know. What what they say the the less of the the two great the two evils less of two evils the lesser of two evils and that's that's kind of what your vote turns into. But with that, how do and you kind of spoke to it already? So when it comes to voting, because you're very complex, you know, and I think a lot of us are. And once we talk, we kind of hear that in us. We have we have a, you know a religious, you know, cultural, spiritual, you know, societal, you know, our history. We have all these things that that when you pull them all together, there isn't one party that represents all of those things in the totality. But again, you do have to vote. You have um, I don't know how you feel about Dr. Cornell West putting his bid in as an independent, but respond to that and 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 your and how you vote when it comes to, you know, your, yourself. Got it. Well, I've responded to Dr. Cornell West. I respect his intellectual prowess. But on this case, I think he's absolutely wrong, mm. especially during this season now, right? Um, he's wrong for thinking he for can running. be president or just for no, running, period? No, for running, for running during this season, during Got this it. season. Okay. Not period, just during this season. Got it. I think, man, removing Donald Trump from the landscape and the, the Donald Trump and the like should be our number one priority, mm. period, right? Now, how do I come to my positions of voting mostly Democratic? Here, here, here's how. One, I understand that America is not a theocracy where God rules. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a democracy, a representative democracy at that. Again, what most people don't know is I was only two classes, man, shy of a master's degree in social sciences. Wow. Right. So this is one of my passions. Yeah. Uh, politics, history and all that kind of stuff. I was going to be a history teacher. Love it. <clears throat> all right. So. Um, and so when we understand that America was never built as a Christian nation. Right. It was built as a nation upon the idea of freedom of religion. So the state no longer can tell you what to believe. Right. Yeah. With that in mind, man, as a free nation, the person should have a right to do whatever they want to do. I fight for your right. If that's your right to live how you want to live, sleep with who you want to sleep with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a as an American. As a Christian. I say man with woman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you have a right. To do how you want to do. Because one thing I've never heard Jesus do, or even the New Testament do, is no New Testament scripture forces the state, and this is crazy, to make Christians. Mm. So if we want if we want to change things, what we'll do is we'll go out to people's hearts yeah. with the gospel. Right. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make the state make people do something that, that is Christian-like. Right? Yeah. And that's not what God wanted is gossip. If you want to change the state nowadays, what you're going to have to do is you got to change that person's heart. 
That's how you do it. Yeah. Right. So I say people have a right to do what they want to do as long as they're two adults, consenting adults. Right. But other than that, I also believe that I have a right to vote. And the, 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 the slippery slope about Republicans is they're trying to take your right to vote as an African-American. This is true. Look at how look at how the gerrymandering is yeah. taking place in most cities. Most yeah. of the gerrymandering is taking place to remove the African American power, political power, to their voting right away. That's true. That's true. And what I can't stand is when people say, "Well, you know, uh, Democrats started slavery." Well, duh. <laughs> Let me say this now, though. The reason I don't like when they say that is because they don't understand the history of the parties. When you look up the history of the parties, right? Democrats used to be conservatives, while Republicans used to be liberals. Hmm. There was a shift in party and ideology, right? Because where were the Democratic states as they fought for slavery? In the South. In the South, yeah. Where are your Republican states at now that are taking away your voting rights? In the South. They're the same states. Hmm. So there was a migration of movement. And I do remember that, like looking into the earlier um, parties before it was just, you know, kind of spinned out to be Democrats and Republicans when they had uh, the Whig party, uh, when they had um, the other one, the other name, uh, I think it was after uh, Thomas Jefferson. It was anyway, it was like a specific party, um, not Thomas, Jefferson, uh, John Adams. Um, I can't think of the name, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I even realized that they migrated liberal and conservative and the, the title just changed. I do remember some intense changes happening um, with the parties throughout the years, but I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, go back and look it up. Uh, you'll, dis- I mean, you'll, you'll discover for sure that your Republicans used to be up north. Right. Right. Because Democrats ran the South. Yeah. They just call them the Dixiecrats and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And so there was this shifting of, of movement. Right. Yeah. And so when people say that Abraham Lincoln right now would be considered a liberal. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would be fighting for the votes and he didn't want African-Americans have the right to vote. He didn't want African-Americans free. He only freed them because it would have been beneficial for the union yeah. to win the war. Right. Which brings you to another whole argument. Right. We hold values to people who lost the war. Hmm. Let that sink in. All they did was morph into a system. So the KKK took off their robes, put on police uniforms, put on judge uniforms, Ah. political servant uniforms. So now all they do is make laws. That's a whole nother one. That's a whole nother episode right there. It's so crazy, man. That's a good one. We so busy. We so busy not understanding. And what we don't do as African-Americans, man, is we don't pull together our thought life, right? And our community. Yeah. That was, I'll never forget, man, when I was younger in Washington, D.C. You can imagine growing up in Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. at the time. uh, Where I grew up is crazy. This is, you don't have, when I say people don't have any idea of how close to power we were, 
I grew up six blocks from the U. Uh, six blocks from the Union Station, hmm. okay. which is one block from the Capitol. Oh, wow! From the U.S. Cap, right? Yeah. Uh, I grew up, man. What's that? Six, Sixteenth Street, twenty-two blocks from the White House. That's crazy. So literally, we could walk there, like yeah. thirty-minute yeah. walk, and we're at the White House. Yeah. About a fifteen-minute walk, we're at the Capitol. Right. And so, not, not in that never, snow, though. Not in that D.C. snow. No, no, not, not. <laughs> you, 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 you may walk in the snow, but you're going to freeze all the way there because they had a good stuff like they got now. Right, right. Right. But, and, my, and my point is this, though. My point, I never forget my great-grandmother saying, because around us, man, were African-Americans owned the whole block. Hmm. Like, all around us. Every house almost over in that neighborhood, except the few, was owned by Blacks. Right? Now, when I go home, you can't find most blacks in that blacks in that community. Wow. I'm talking about, and my great grandmother always say they, what they're gonna do is they're gonna come back in, raise the property tax up, property up, uh, costs up so much, and blacks ain't gonna be able to stay here. She knew, and sure enough. So she I keep knew. saying to this day, man, my one of my main goals before I die is to go back and purchase my grandmother's them old house. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I want to go purchase it before I die. I was at six six eighteen G Street, Northeast Washington D.C. Two thousand two is the zip code. That's where I grew up at, man. And so my goal, man, is to purchase purchase that house, man, before I die. That's awesome. Do you know how much the house is worth right now? Has to be over two million. Wow. Wow. Describe the house. Take me there. Take me there. Take me there. Well, the crazy thing is, man. uh, Imagine a row house. I don't know if any of Anybody listening, man, has ever gone to New York or East Coast? Uh, houses are close together. There is no, is no yard between, right. you know, between the house. You don't get no space. It's, it's every house is stuck together. Yeah. So your walls, the outer walls to the house, is the outer the walls to somebody else's house. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, three stories, a basement with two other floors, and we were there. Uh, what three bedroom? One, yeah, three bedroom plus a full basement, man. Um, back then it was called, we used to call it a shotgun house, right? Oh, because you can be, see be, from the front door. Depending on where you're standing at, you open that front door, you can see in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But it was an exciting time, man, of growing up. I grew up in what I call the sweet spot uh, of U.S. history, right? Hmm. Um, keep in mind, um, your voting rights have passed, uh, right? Uh, Dr. King dies in 68, I'm born in 70. We could still see uh, some of the um, after effect of Dr. King death and the riots in D.C. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was the sweet spot, I call it. Yeah. Right. This emergence of black life emergence. Uh, my, my elementary school, man, right across the street from the house, uh, filled with black teachers. Wow. Right. Uh, my first junior high school filled with black teachers. My uh, all went to my first high school. I went to it wasn't until I moved to Maryland. Where I got a shit, oh, they got this many white people, this many mm-hmm. white teachers, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, in Maryland, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So, um, but wow. you know, your police officers that was riding down the street were mostly black. And then you can start seeing the older I got, you can start seeing the, the, the changing of the police officers. Mm-hmm. Now they're becoming white, not in your neighborhood. Because uh, when I grew up, police officers used to be called officer friendly. Yeah. Right? So, you know, every now officer and then, you know. Friendly. 
the, every now and they're gonna chase you, you know, that kind of you do wrong stuff. And you know, we were kids at the time, yeah, yeah. So we would do bad stuff like throw rocks at people and that kind of stuff, police yeah. chase you, that kind of stuff. They just grab you, take you home, or that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? If you're an adult, they're gonna, you know, rough you up a little bit, but let you go. Uh, but you knew you weren't gonna die, so to speak, at least, <laughs> right. at, at least right. when, when a brother's rolled up on you, yeah. Nowadays, you, you know, you don't know, you really don't know, you know what I mean. Um, and so I tell people all the time as well, I understand, and I know this get, gets, gets dicey. I understand the corruption in police departments. My father, as I said it before, uh, my father was a major, you know, player in the game and he mm. had a police officer on his payroll. Wow. So I, he, oh, nobody he was, can't tell was, me. Oh yeah. He was doing it. You, you got a police I mean? officer nobody, nobody on the payroll. Can, right. So he's 103 now. So I could talk about it. It's been so long ago. Uh, you know, he's been out the game for so long. Uh, but you know what I mean, though? So, wow. Um, 103. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so All right. That, so the... so I, I got I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So let's say, not, not, let's not, I'm, I won't say if, let's say when you purchased that beautiful house in D.C. on G Street, right? Now, let's say you go back a few times, you know, you're kind of close to, uh, close to, DC again, you know, you 22 blocks, 22 blocks away from the Capitol. And let's say a new calling hits your heart. And this calling is to be president pastor of the United States of America. I would like to know on like, what, what are you, what are you running? <laughs> what are you running on? Like, what are your, the things that you are promising America Americans? What are you standing up for? What are you championing? in this society in, in america you know t- tell me a little about it wow that question is so loaded that question is so loaded right yeah uh, my number one goal man though would be to reunify families mm. i think most of the issues in society are major issues because the family is out of place yeah i believe that wholeheartedly yeah. Um, when you, especially when you look at the African American community, right? Uh, there was this show I watched, man. Um, and you can go back if y'all are listening. You go back on uh, YouTube. It was when uh, some people went to Africa, and they removed <clears throat> all of the full grown bull male elephants out of yeah. this uh, out of this uh, colony of elephants, right? Group of elephants, right? And the younger male elephants went crazy. Um, and so they destroyed all the habitation. They were destroying all the other animals and all of that kind of stuff, man. And so they were trying to figure out what do we do? <clears throat> how can we fix this ecosystem that we've messed up? So somebody said, let's introduce some more full grown bull male elephants. Hmm. Once they introduced the full grown bull male elephants, all the other elephants settled down. Wow. And it put the other elephants back into place and the ecosystem ended up coming back to where it was. Wow. Right? The power of removing the male from the from the environment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When you look at any major animal group that live in packs, lions, one of my favorite animals, other than dogs. Uh lions. Um, <clears throat> there was this episode again. This male lions were off. The full-grown male lions are off, and the juvenile male lions began to wreak havoc amongst the pride hmm. as soon as the male lions came back the male lions recreated the structure and the environment which ended up putting everybody back in their place right 
So when the man, when the male is out of place, That's right? Crazy. Other people have to operate in a place that that wasn't fit for. Yeah, wasn't meant for, right? And so what ended up ha- what ends up happening is that would be my first thing. My first thing to do is I would love man to create an initiative for families. Um, where I think this is where I think uh, your welfare systems went wrong because in order to get welfare, the husband couldn't be in the house. Right. Talk about it. Um, and so um, that, that would be my first my first thing. Um, I would deal with reparations. Hmm. Right. I don't know if I would give every African-American family money. Right. I don't um, think that you should. Because I think it's already proven Um that money is not what we need. Right. We need systemic change and transformation and access Hmm. without boundaries. Hmm. Right. And so how that would look, I don't know. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? But uh, I would take voting off the table for African-Americans forever. None of this 50 years, 25, 50 years stuff. We're going to vote on it ever again. No, it's going to be off the table. Right. Um, Because I think you make them then at that point a people with a invested interest in the nation, um, you know, and so th- those would be the three things I think uh, poverty. I, I want to say I would deal with poverty. Right. But I think if you fix the family, you'll deal with poverty because I think and this is going to sound crazy. This is my conservative side coming out. Right. Right. Because I think many people who are in poverty want to be. Not all. That's a big statement. Yeah, not all, but many, right? Yeah. And I say that I say that because of this. I understand that there are for African Americans, there are limits or, or, or structural things that hinder us. But keep in mind, man, we spend more on clothes than we do education. That's a fact. We spend more on entertainment than we do education. Right? <clears throat> uh, we don't Badly. discipline our children. That that I was gonna write a book, right? Uh I was gonna write a book. Uh, dealing with that whole piece I shared with on lions and, and elephants yeah, yeah. and the African-American community and why we have to change, right? Uh, parenting from an animal kingdom, right? Oh. Because when you look at slavery, during slavery, African-Americans had to be disciplined physically by their parents. Because if you don't listen to the master, you're going to be hung on a tree. Yeah. Right? After the civil rights movement, you notice this whole piece on disciplining children becomes a crime. Why? Mm. Because if I'm going to have a school to prison pipeline, you can't have a school to prison pipeline with disciplined kids. So what you do is you remove the discipline from the child. Because little Johnny, you can take his uh, stuff and put him in a room and make him quiet. But African-Americans were bred to be active. Yeah, That's the only way you're going to pick cotton all day. Yeah. So imagine this African-American kid with all of this energy and you tell him, sit down, all you're making him do is get more violent. This it, Studies have proven this. Studies prove that most people you put in prison come out more violent. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Why? Because now I have so much energy because you sat me down without doing anything. Yeah, yeah. So my whole wow. thing is to, until we deal with that whole piece, man, until we get structure back in the family, discipline black in the family. And that's what the father does, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm of the mindset, uh, and this is what I hate about, again, our culture, how we slip and slide in, the, in our culture. A mother can never be a father. True. Just like a father can never be a mother. Never be a mother. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I hate that whole piece on Mother's Day. I'm a Father's Day. Mothers be like, well, you ought to thank me because I'm your mom, man. I'm your mom. No, you're not the dad. You're the mother. You're the mother. <clears throat> Nothing in you can make you a father. At all. Nothing in you can make you make that father, that boy a man. Right. Uh, my, my grandson, uh, right? My grandson, um, he's two years old. And so he's coming into the potty train and whole piece. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah. all that kind of stuff, time. right? And so uh, I was talking with his father, my son. And I said, man, um, teach your son how to go to the bathroom. Hmm. That's all I had to have. Teach your son how to go to the bathroom. Right? And he understood. He understood. Yeah. That my son shouldn't be sitting down going to the bathroom. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? I know. I know. Um, there, there are certain ways when I look at my son, his mother, my grandson's mother could say something to him over and over again. Yeah. But when my son comes in and say it, Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're, and, they're... and and you know what's what's crazy about that because I have the same exact identical thing that happens in 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 my home, and uh, you know what's uh, that I don't really even talk to my wife about this because it's a sensitive matter, and I'm, probably a lot of black men don't as well because they just you know kind of let things slide off, but it's it's bothersome when the woman is actually irritated at that fact instead of appreciative you know that they, they, they're more thinking of oh you don't they don't do that when i tell them oh when oh when i say it i gotta say it this many times but when he say it it's like i get it i understand how that can make you feel however i'm here <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you we, we are one in our eyes so the same way that i look at our daughters and i'm like if daddy had to do your hair all the time, you probably have one or two hairstyles. Thank God you got that's, that's it. I'm gonna look, my daughter tell you that. I'm gonna perfect this one. You're gonna get this one that's gonna be deep though. Right. All the time. Look, thankfully, thank God you got a mom that will try this and try that and look on Pinterest and Facebook and try new that. That's a beautiful thing. But but you you need both. There's balance. So you saying you want to start with the family is big to me but that definitely says that you're gonna run as a conservative because uh, yeah i mean come on right off top if that's your number one thing is to keep the family in in line but i think we have to teach i think we have to teach again though we have to teach go back and teach again hmm. why the family is so important in yeah. the correct structure husband wife children right mm -hmm. it's healthier that way yeah you know what i mean uh normally Wives are, are more nurturing, normally, right? Husbands are are, are are more disciplinarians. Now, I know things have changed over the years because, again, uh, where we have come to as a nation, as a country, and what people believe, but that's what they bring to the table to the children. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you need both of those. All right, you need it. To make healthy children, right? You need it, yeah. Uh, kids grow up in that environment, they become healthier. Right. Like, I, I think we got to be real careful because... When you strip that away, and I think our wives should understand, right, that because I'm here, you don't have to play both roles. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I ought not be looked at as well as a, a cop. No, my discipline is as father. Yeah. 
So there are going to be certain things I'm going to do with my child, right? That the mother won't do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even when it comes to my daughter, you know, her mom, her mom did stuff for that. I never, I never could, I never could understand. Let's be real. You going through those times. I don't know what that means. Right. I know to go to the store, get you this big box of, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> but I don't know. I can't tell you what to do with it. At all. At all. You need your mom. I can't tell you how to protect yourself. Her mom had to go show her, this is what you wear during this time. This is how you wear it during this time. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Now yeah. they tell my guys, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to call your mother. I'm not going to let somebody at the school teach you that. No, that that's your right. mother's responsibility. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and the only reason I, I say the thing about conservative is obviously, you know, you, the, the wackiest thing to, to to my ears. Let me not call them wacky. I'm just saying to my ears is when I have to hear the this mixed identifies this. You know, I, I'm a man, but I well, I'll, I'll say it how they say it you know, for the conversation. Uh-huh. At birth, I was assigned male, but I, I identify as a woman and I want to be with a woman, but I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> it's like <clears throat> already. It, it, and, and, and I'm saying those things because I'm around them. You know, I, I do services and, and people, some, not services like that. I do installation, professional audio video work in, in homes in Hollywood, in Beverly Hills in Bel Air. And I'm around those families that I'm meeting the the son of that that has two dads and to him that's his reality you know and one dad is a little more feminine and nurturing and one of the dads is a little more masculine and dominant and they are used to that and they've been taught and and you know that's been ingrained in them and and the the people that are around the schools the facilities they go to all respected honor it and so if they hear bring back the family bring back the the dad that to their ears, they're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> Especially if everything goes well. You know, don't let the, the, everybody be uh, affluent and, and happy and healthy and prosperous. They're like, well, I, I don't get it. I don't know the America you're talking about that's so broken. Why do I need to change anything? And so that's why I bring it up because it is part of the reality in a lot of homes out there that there's nothing wrong. But here's the unique thing, though. African-Americans are not monolithic in our thought being this. As you said earlier, we are complex, like looking at a kaleidoscope, right? Yeah. Most African-Americans, as as it relates to the structure of the family, is conservative. Very true. By and large, we're probably one of the most conservative groups as it relates to the family. Yeah. What I don't like is the narrative that has been pushed in society that African-American men are not in the homes. Uh, one study proved that African-American men spent more time with their children than any other race. Mm. Right? Um, they talk about African-Americans are not educated. Um, however, now we know, but when you look at statistics, statistics say African-American women are the most educated group in America or in the world. Wow. Right? Um, Shout out so, to the ladies. Right. Shout so, out you to know, the ladies so, out there. So those are the things they don't talk about, um, right? Those are the things that they don't say um, because of how they try to write the narrative. Of course. You know what I mean? Um, And so most families, most African-Americans, though, um, are uh, 
um, conservative as it relates to family. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> Pastor Reginald Brown, you know, this has been an incredible episode and we definitely will have more in the future because you, you opened up some doors, you know, some of them doors you open, they creaked open a little and then we didn't, we didn't really walk in there, but we're going to have to have some more episodes and go in them rooms. But uh, before I let you go, I gotta, I gotta know, you know, back, back before I'm going I'm to assume this is before, you know, you accepted the calling, but back in your younger days, what music, what music were you listening to? What what got you grooving out there? <clears throat> to be honest, man, uh, growing up, I was a big Michael Jackson fan. Hello. Okay. Not loud, not. I'm talking about uh, pleather, not leather, pleather jacket. <laughs> Kenny Lothar, Michael Jackson. That's what I'm talking about. Well, since you said, Michael, I'm going to give you a very specific <laughs> top five question. Ooh, I would like okay. to know. <laughs> oh, yeah, mercy. Okay. Your top five Michael Jackson songs of all time. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, my top would have to be Billie Jean. <laughs> Uh, only because I did the dance Motown 25. Hit. You got to. I'm, got doing, to. I'm doing. I'm doing Michael Jackson dance, hat and all. Ah, you, oh my! Right. I see. I see it now. And I see. You gotta it throw now. the hat too. Yeah, you gotta you know. throw the hat. <laughs> Michael Jackson. I'm talking about. Uh, Man in the Mirror. Beautiful song. Um, that song is more. It's deeper than people realize. Absolutely. Deeper than people Absolutely. realize. Yeah. Uh, Man in the Mirror. You want to be starting something. Mm. Uh, nice. You know, uh, off the wall would be off the wall would be four. Uh, That's one of my top. And uh let's see, let's see. Uh goodness. Probably smooth criminal would be number Ooh, five. Oh nice. Because of the nice. video. You know that I mean? video. So it, what was that? What was the movie he did? The the Michael Jackson um it had the little boy in it. Oh, what was the name of that movie? Ah, oh, some tip of my tongue. Anyway, um, it was a movie where he did did the had the elephant man, and then he turned into the spaceship at one point. But <laughs> but Mike Mike was big before big became big. Oh my goodness! But that that scene with with uh, a smooth criminal and all the all the special effects to, and the way that they did it, you you didn't feel like they were using special effects from the beginning, from the jump when he threw the coin. And the coin went straight in the jukebox. Oh, <laughs> I'm I listen, man. Mike was my, um, but I, I still love music, man. Um, you know, I, I still love. It. I'm, I'm an oldies guy. Yeah. I'm not. I listen to you know every now and then new because I got ne nephews and nieces and yeah, yeah, grandkids coming up. So you want to stay up on cutting edge for them. But um, to be honest, when I'm by myself, man, I'm not listening to a lot of music. I'm not listening to anything really. Gotcha. Um, I understand. I, I, I spend most of my time, man, either, um, you know, studying, looking at something uh, or just thinking. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, that, that's that's the crazy part. Again, but most people don't see, you know, don't see, um, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but I'm an educator, so I, I try my best, man, to stay, stay ahead of the game, stay thinking about stuff and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You are definitely that. You've educated us today greatly. Uh, I appreciate you, sir. And as we end, I gotta tell you how we how we do the send off. I should have did it in the beginning. I always forget. The show is called Pod is Good. 
you know and I know that God is good, but I will say pod is good. You say all the time. All the you 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 already know my my guy. Pod is good all the time and all the time. Pod is good. Thank you, Reginald Brown, Pastor. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. We'll catch you on the next one. Talk to you soon, my guy. Thank you, man. Love you, man. Everybody, thank you. That has been episode 23 of the Pod is Good podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. What an incredible show. What an incredible guest. If you want to listen to the show again, please check it out. I'll have it up soon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube or Facebook, however you want to enjoy the pod, but please enjoy the show. I'll catch y'all on the next one. We got episode 24 coming soon. Stay tuned. It's Cashmere, California. I'll talk to y'all.